Hello and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris. I'm Creston. And I'm Seb. And we are going to have a fun time tonight. We're not actually talking about programming per se, but we're talking about things that will help make us better programmers. And that is uh, note-taking and note-taking techniques and tools. And, and uh, Seb has done a, a good bit of kind of research into how to do this as a programmer, uh, something that he personally was developing. And I, I had some conversations with him about this. We just thought it'd be a fun topic to talk about because um, programmers are notoriously bad note takers and documenters. And we just think it's something that should be brought up. So uh, Seb's going to talk to us about that tonight. Uh, but before we get into the meat of the program, week in review. Uh, Creston, how was your, well, actually, I guess month since we've Almost been here a last. month. So, um, been doing the same old, same old, but I started down a whole path that went down two different rabbit holes. So I actually, for my company, wanted to start doing, get more focused on SEO. So I actually bought a tool, um, and I actually trying out two tools. One is, it's either SEMrush or SEMrush, however they pronounce it, as well as AET. Ahrefs, so they are SEO tools, and basically you can use it to analyze your site, and it gives you, and then you can put in competitor information. It gives you recommendations on how to improve your pages from an SEO perspective to find be found on Google. So basically, I've been going through the process, and they have this whole recommendation to go through to make changes. So I've been slowly but surely making those changes, making improvements to the website to hopefully be found, allow Google to find the content easier. And then the other rabbit hole I went down was there was this little performance thing. I should never get involved with performance stuff <laughs> that, that basically said um, our core vitals, there's something wrong with it. I'm like, what? Never. So <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole of optimizing the site according to Google. So they use PageSpeed Insights is a tool that they use to actually test your the speed of your web page. And I've been above 95, 96% performance for the desktop, but my mobile was like at the 50 range, score of like 50 or something like that. And I actually did some work. Now this is for the homepage only because it takes more work than I anticipated <laughs> to actually optimize and do all the different things that are needed to be done. But I got up to a 98% for performance. Wow. Which was, yeah. And what made this particularly, particularly arduous is I don't know how to do web design and I'm not buying, I did not, I'm not using WordPress. I'm not using one of these website builders like Wix or whatever. I don't even know if it can do in the high 90s for performance. But basically, I bought a template and I use a static site generator to do it. And this template comes with all of this broilerplate code, like kilobytes of JavaScript and kilobytes of CSS. So I had to literally go through and do an analysis and strip massive amounts of code out of it in order to get even close to that score. So if you want to know what I've been doing, I've been doing <laughs> a lot Chasing of that. rabbits. 
over yeah the couple of weeks but you know hopefully all this work will result in benefits i mean according to the scores it's much better but time will tell but sorry for that long spiel but how about you what have what have you done these couple of weeks chris uh so i i actually i mean i literally took some time off of programming for a couple of weeks during the holidays and did just nothing on a computer pretty much except i watched a lot of videos about game development stuff tutorials and things because uh, i was trying to get ready for um, what started tuesday which is our ruby game dev stuff on coding with chris and i am i am having so much fun with that the first show was tuesday and it was a it was kind of a slog just getting set up and going but it's so fun and i'm so looking forward to that um and then at work we had an issue where we've got we're a, kind of a SOA setup, so we've got a little, lot of different apps talking to each other. And do you call yourself? Do you, not yourself. Do you call your setup an SOA architecture, or do you call it a microservices architecture? What do you guys? I say SOA because it's shorter than microservices, and I'm lazy. Okay. So I, but yeah. Um, I I don't know what is SOA. Service oriented architecture. So it's like okay. microservice. If you're if you're of the age of Chris and I, SOA came out before microservices. Yeah, <laughs> we old. Um, yeah, but uh, this also is better for what I'm doing right now. Um, I in my previous company, the previous company I'm worked on, I worked on the uh, true microservices. Mm -hmm. Where there are like, like like dozens of services for, for everything, and I learned a whole lot of um, in that. But currently in Ascenda, we actually have more uh, like bigger services. So there are still services, uh, still independent systems that communicate with each other. But it's not like like a, a serverless uh, lambda functions or anything like like dozens or, or thousands hundreds of microservices it's uh, just a few independent applications so this is so so right <laughs> service oriented architecture yeah. is mm -hmm. just way way much accurate yeah i i think so i i've always thought that was a more accurate picture in my mind i don't do a lot of those kind of things uh this was the first company i've worked at that um used it and we're actually trying to monolith some of those things because it got too spread out and it's become a real nightmare to try to troubleshoot and stuff um but one of the things that i got to start playing with this week that i have never had an opportunity to play with before was graphql because we had a problem with a speed issue where one of our um apps was trying to talk to our main database app and get some information but the endpoints were giving it back all the information instead of just the two fields it needed and so it was getting back like five megabytes of stuff when it just needed a couple of fields. And so I said, you know, why don't, instead of writing new custom endpoints for this, why don't we just look at using GraphQL so you can get what you want when you want it. And then every time you need to make a change, we don't have to have the platform team go and rewrite, you know, make custom endpoints and stuff for you. Um, so I've gotten to start playing with that this week. And I, I never had an opportunity to play with GraphQL, but this seemed like a situation that it was just custom made for. Um, so, you know, that's, that's two exciting things that have been happening just this week, starting the game dev, which I never thought I'd get to do game dev in Ruby, you know, but hooray, it's here. And um, doing this GraphQL stuff that I've always been interested in because I love SQL and database things. Um, 
but I just never got a chance to play with it before. So um, it's actually been a really exciting week for me, and I'm really looking forward to next week. Do the second show on Tuesday for game dev and a POC test for GraphQL early next week. So that'll be awesome. Um, so what about you, Sav? What have you had going on in the past couple of weeks that's really exciting? Uh, I am working on the Hanami upgrades, and this is this takes a few months already. But uh, recently, I like in the last few weeks, I made great progress, and this is just how Kristen uh, described just a rabbit hole, because Hanami one in 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 Ascenda we use uh, Hanami one yet, um, still, and between Hanami one and Hanami two is five years of development uh, difference and obviously obviously there is a lot that had been changed yeah uh, even if the framework itself could be updated relatively easily in the meantime the libraries that were used by hanami one and those that are used by hanami two had been changed tremendously a lot of updates in the meantime on the whole dry rb uh, ecosystem uh, the whole rom rom persistence layer is had been updated from uh, 3. Point whatever to 5 and almost 6.0 which is crazy hanami 1 requires at most ruby 2.7 but hanami 2 requires minimum um, ruby 3 which is mm. pretty troublesome in situations where you need to ensure continuous delivery and continuous um, uptime and uh, no doubt I'm allowed and more <laughs> even more importantly and more troublesome is a gradual upgrade is required to not block the development because some of our services are small and those are relatively easy to update in big chunks but other uh, services or, or monoliths uh, applications are very big and therefore you have like daily 10 or, or, or 20 PRs open every day. And you, don't, you just cannot allow developers to stop for a week for the complete testing scenarios and, and so on. So you need to yeah. gradually upgrade. So we need to patch um, Hanami gems. Uh, figure out some hacks for uh, for gradual upgrade, uh, some automations, and this is very challenging, very much grind thing. Uh, but <laughs> we are so close to upgrade to Hanami two, uh, where we will work fully in in the top notch systems uh, that I, I just cannot wait, and I'm super excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, um, Seb is uh, he he's the guy that does Hanami Mastery uh, here. So if you haven't checked this out and you have any interest in Hanami, um, you should go check it out. I've put a link in the in the chat. Um, but this is his site, and he deals a lot with the Hanami stuff. So um, lots of fun. And I think that's a cool thing. I'd love to have time to check it out, but between the actual, my, my full-time job and all the game dev I'm doing, <laughs> I don't think I'd have enough time to... To get into Hanami, but um, I know that um, a few people on the that I follow on Twitter are starting to dig into Hanami more too. Um, so it seems like a lot of fun. Um, so before we get started on the note taking stuff, uh, welcome chat. Hey Colin, how you doing? 
Um, so note taking seems like a non-programmery thing, but uh, you and I, Seb, had a discussion about this, I don't know, a month ago or so. We got on, on Zoom and just had a chat, and this is one of the things that came up. So I'm wondering um, what, you know, people, people take notes all the time. So what was it about your note taking that, that kind of prompted you to want to get into researching this and figuring out better ways to do it? What was, what was really the problem? Uh, the time. Time was, uh, was actually the problem. Uh, as you mentioned, you don't have time to find out and, and to try Hanami. And I guess a lot, a lot of people that I know just don't have time. And the time is the precious resource we have. And one thing that I experienced um, in the past was that when 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 when, we, when me I am when I and my team started digging into even sourced systems and microservice architectures, there were just tremendous amount of things to learn. And more importantly, even if you learned something, you needed to explain that to your client. And my biggest problem was. Even if I knew something, I was pretty young as a developer and as a person, and my trust credibility was pretty low. I needed to earn the trust. And my client argued everything. I had just no authority, right? And I heavily needed to rely on the resources. I needed to mention and point out the sources of where I know something. And when I had um, the same questions from my clients, but also other teammates, when, when they asked me about something, I tried to elaborate several times, like uh, why we prefer small events over big events and um, event payloads. And it was very time consuming to explain that over and over again. So I tried to um, just send the articles. This is also the reason why I'm blogging so much. But um, when I read something interesting, something that I learned from, I wanted to have easy access to the, uh, to the source of the knowledge. And Google just is not enough sometimes. I mean, some very cool articles that you get through newsletter, uh, through the Twitter recommendation, or just by, by I don't know, getting them on the Slack channel, they can be not very high in search results. And in this particular scenario, where I needed to explain over and over why I prefer small events than um, over, over big events, I always forgot how to find the correct article that I know this about. And this was one of the triggers that I had um, to, to actually um, start making notes. However, this led to even worse problem because previously 
I just read a lot and watched a lot of content and learned, right? I made some handwritten notes, some maybe even Evernote notes that had no particular system. And it was just a big mess. But making notes of what you read, what you watch, and what just the knowledge you, you learn, the, you consume, is even more time consuming than just consuming it, right? Yeah. And it was extremely demotivating for me to just um, to read something and then take a note out of it. Because I knew that even if I will take the note, I will forget about where I put it, how to access it, or even that I will just read 10 times less content because I'm taking notes. So it was a high level of demotivation that I experienced. And as the end result was that I stopped reading every, anything. I just bookmarked articles. I just read the title all. And so, oh, this is interesting, but I have no time to read it and make notes out of it. So I will read it later. And I ended up with infinite just queue of never touched articles, books, videos, and everything. And I needed to do something with this because I'm that sounds really familiar. <laughs> I, I realized that, that I, I'm paid for knowledge. I'm paid for for uh, bringing ideas together and teaching other people in the team, sharing my experience, not allowing bugs to appear on production, but also like like leading the architecture and so on. And I need to be up to date, but it was very, very tough mind blocker that I, I just stopped consuming content because I knew that my, my memory sucks and I will forget everything or I will remember sometimes somewhat something, but I will mix everything together in my head. And at the end, I can came up with idea that has complete no sense because I cannot point to resources and I can mix two different ideas together. Remember one thing, take the other thing from different resource and be unaware of that, right? So, yeah, and I can tell you that as, as note-taking becomes even more important as you get older, kids. So, you know, develop the good note-taking skills now because the older you get, uh, the more you got jammed in your brain and the more you start forgetting things. And, um, you know, it's easy to get confused if you're not good at note-taking. Are you? Are you good? Like, like um, how are your approaches to actual note-taking? And, and um, do, do you do you do, do you take notes a lot um i it, well i take notes a lot my approach to it is probably not very good um i did start playing with obsidian uh a few weeks back um actually i think because i saw you were saying something about it on twitter and and said you were one of the things you were doing <laughs> hey marco how you doing um but um Marco, you're not taking notes on the show. Shame on you, man. Um, but yeah, so I've started playing with Obsidian. Um, the one thing that I've noticed about my note taking um, over the past several years is that I really have to have something that is cloud-based and mobile. Um, 
because if I don't take notes when I'm dealing with something, which may not be at my computer all the time, I won't think to write it down later. So I need something that's in my phone too that I that I can um put notes in or at least at least a little thing to say, "Hey, go take a note on this topic because you just thought about it." That kind of thing. But I haven't gotten good at that yet. Um just Obsidian is uh, available everywhere, right? There is It is. Solution. I think I think you have to pay for the sync stuff. The the sync is a subscription service. Uh, actually, you can configure it with any cloud, like uh, Google oh. Cloud or Dropbox. And I tested that, but I had some maybe imperfections. And mm. at the end, I just uh, used this tool so much that I gladly paid for the sync. Yeah. So um, that was that was my approach. But uh, I, I totally agree. And on top of that, I can add that you consume content on not only on mobile, but also some podcasting when you drive, right? You, mm -hmm. you read books on Kindle, you read books, uh, physical books, you read articles, watch YouTube videos on all kinds of, um, of uh, devices. Also the newsletters. I'm not sure if you are a fan of newsletters, but mm -hmm. I am. Oh, yeah. I read, I just, I'm subscribed to a whole lot of different newsletters. And this is just one more thing, how to handle emails and make notes out of it. Ah, it's a lot. Um, so having a system that reduce all that decision-making, this old burden out of you that, that you don't need to think, okay, I will read it on my computer later because I have my uh, note-taking setup there. Mm. Um, or even think about uh, where to read, like, like like maybe I want to make some highlights in the article, but I need to save it in the pocket application or anything else to do that. So, and this is another level of decision-making that I just don't want to care ever. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is really important to figure out um, and the easier, <laughs> the easier, the better. Yeah. And Kristen, what's 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 about you? So I guess I kind of break taking notes down. I'll actually talk about three different use cases. So if I'm talking with a client about requirements for a particular issue, I'm just taking very in-depth notes, writing what they're saying, asking them questions, writing the answers to that. So it's all pen to paper, frankly. So I'm kind of old school that way. Um and just take very meticulous notes because I know that I'm going to have to build what they're talking about or make an update to what they're talking about in terms of software development or finding a fix for something. Uh, so that's one class of notes. Another class of notes is like if I'm reading a book, if I'm looking on the web or looking at whatever, I just use Apple Notes. So I actually, because it can sync across like an iPhone and an iPad, so I just make my particular notes there. Oh, do we lose Seb? We might have lost Seb. Anyway, uh -oh. but I, I use, yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> but uh, I use Apple Notes for that purpose. So like if I'm reading the book, oh, here he is, he's back. And then the third way is by actually scaling Postgres is kind of a way I did I was doing some notes to keep up to date on what was going on with Postgres. 
So for example, that is where I curate weekly Postgres content in a video show. So what I actually do is every week, I look at every single blog post or piece of content I can find related to Postgres. I look at it, analyze it, and I pick the top, you know, a top set of ones I want to cover. And then I do it in a prioritized format. So I spend more time with the topics I cover first, and I spend more time talking about them in the show. And then I publish that episode for everyone to have. But if I have a client that comes to me with a particular issue, I say, you know, I talked about that in some episode. I don't know rem remember when it was. So I just go in my content management system, whatever you want to call it, and I do an SQL query and I say, all right, what has, oh, what was I looking for? I just used it yesterday. Transparent data encryption. So I put transparent in and it came a list of all the articles that had transparent in the title where I talked about them in some fashion. So I can say, ah, there's these articles from 2001 I covered. And then I can actually go and look at my video to remind myself what the blog post was about. So I don't have to read a 500 or 1,000 page <laughs> blog post. I spend 60 seconds. Oh, that's what I said. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> right. So that's kind of another way I I do notes for that particular use case. So now now with uh, now with uh, Chat GPT, uh, who which can just summarize your articles, it could be even the next level of of advancement on this topic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to see what kind of things take off with that from a from a note taking. I was actually thinking about that the other day because as I was in Obsidian doing some stuff and writing some notes out, I'm sitting there thinking. I wonder if I could just pose a question to GPT and have it fill my notes out for me so I don't have to type all this stuff. Um, but then, of course, you have to take notes on GPT's notes and then because you still got to consume it somehow or other. Right. Yeah, just uh, I, I, I started to writing the uh, CLI, uh, CLI uh, script, Ruby script to uh, communicate with ChatGPT because uh, I noticed that uh, when I paste a link to ChatGPT, um, it responses me that um, it cannot um, download pages. I need to, uh, it's configured and learned against just the raw text. So mm -hmm. I want to have a, a Ruby script when I just paste the URL into and it fetches the page and serves this as, as an input to ChatGPT and I can just uh, ask the question uh, effortlessly um, about the summarization of the article or about um, other content related. Uh, oh, that would be very cool. Um, so, so you went on this journey for improving your note taking. What kind of solutions did you come up with? What what kind of things have you been able to work out, both for processes and for tools, that really helped? Well, uh, I started to consume a lot of content related to note taking systems, productivity patterns, and all all that kind of stuff. And I just got um, excited, and I I started to hear about notion mm -hmm. and i started to testing this part out and spent some time of of um adjusting it to make uh, work best for me however 
there were some caveats related to that. And there were no public API up then. Um, there were some problems on mobile and I still experienced them sometimes, especially when I had no internet connection, I could not really take notes. And this is why, this is the main reason I just switched to Obsidian. I just needed something to, to work locally and no worry about internet connections. But um, then um, I, over time, because I'm taking notes a lot, um, and I'm writing a lot, a lot over time, when I had an idea, I started to thinking where I should put my note in, I mean, in which folder, in which page, uh, how to organize that. And for just two sentences of idea, I spent five minutes figuring out in which folder I should put it into and what would be the hierarchy and where I should link into. And that was another part of burden that, that faced me. So I started looking for somewhere else. And then I found the Obsidian, which solved a lot of my uh, needs because currently I completely don't need to care about folders because there's completely different type of um, linking between nodes mm -hmm. and in, in Obsidian. And also they have graph representation of the related things, which was very important to me because I'm kind of visual learner. And I, even if I don't use graph very often, I experience a lot of satisfaction while, uh, but just by having visual feedback of how my nodes look like, how they relate to each other and just playing around with them in visual way. And it actually, when, when I just open my, my notes in Obsidian, I can now um, immediately see which areas of my life I put too much effort into and wh where I just um, suffer lack of interest. So for example, if I have several areas of my life, like homeschooling for my kids and relationships and coding and my note node on the graph just grows for coding too much, I know that I fell into uh, work lifestyle balance problems and I need to take a break and go with my kids and my, my wife to holidays or something. So this is just unintentional, but very useful feedback that I got. And so you're talking and, about something like this, this graph that they've got in Obsidian, right? This kind of node graph. Yeah. So uh, the, this is the node graph. And if you have this, uh, this violet, uh, purple, um, purple um, node here, yeah. you can see that it's, it's bigger. And it's bigger because there are more connections related to it. So if you have a node, a topic, an area in your node taking system that grows too much, it means that you have a lot of nodes created for this particular topic, which, which means that you probably put a lot of attention and effort into it. It could be bad or could be very good. So it depends for me in the past, I. I have the, the tendency to overwork, to work too much, 
I have a tendency to to forget about people <laughs> around me, and this graph is just um, just amazing for me because it stops me. It stops me um, just um, unintentionally because I can visually see how my overall uh, node um, system looks like and where I should just put more attention into like health maybe or or whatever right so uh, the other thing that i'm i'm starting to like about obsidian is they've and i think this is kind of a new feature for them but they've got kind of this um not that kind of graph but a note taking graph where it's more kind of like a a mind map type note taking where you can just drag from like i put this note card up there and then i can drag from that and make another one to make this thing and i can link them together and i can do it all visually which is really nice for, for people like us that are more visual uh, oriented. Because one of the problems I have with just like writing notes on paper or a notepad or you know, something on a computer is that it gets very disorganized very quickly because of the way my brain works. But if I can, you know, I've got this node, I can drag it over here, I can link it to this one, and then I can make all the connections the way my, my brain works, um, I can keep my notes a lot more organized and and remember them a lot better yeah but um th yeah this is this is some something like a mirror like built built in mirror or a lucid sh chart right mm -hmm. yeah. just uh I, I this is pretty new i used it a little bit but not too much i'm just still a fan of miro and i just using miro very very often and uh, and a lot but uh, we'll see if i will just test this part, this this visual graphs in um, in Obsidian more, and I, I will have a little bit more to say about. Yeah. But recently, like last year, I was excited about Obsidian like crazy, and I thought like everyone should move into Obsidian because it's so nice. But then I found a video about from Tiago Forte on YouTube, and he researched that there are different different types of um, people in terms of note-taking. <laughs> so you can find out which kind of note-taking type you are. And depending on this, um, you can find different different applications, different, different note-taking styles uh, as your favorite. And Obsidian can be not the best for everyone be just because of that. But of course, there can be just more factors. But I found that uh, Notion is is um, is built for different kind of people than Obsidian, and mm -hmm. the same you can say for Evernote. So, for example, my my brother, he just works completely different. He's not technical uh, person, uh, but he needs to take and collect a lot of documents. He just make photos all the time because this is how how his work um is related uh, about he needs to take notes of paper documents he needs to collect that document that and for this evernote is the best like like this is that there is just no other uh, tool that that is better for this kind of suit and this kind of need and understanding your needs is very important i think for me obsidian is just complete madness i just love it and the fact that it's it has open plugin system that people can write plugins for 
absolutely anything and integrations for anything it just changed my life because yeah yeah and that i i think it's important i think you're bringing up a good point which is in order to take notes effectively and organize them the way you need them organized you have to to be kind of self-aware and do some discovery on what type of learning you do because people's brains are different so like you were saying what works really well for for me as a note taker may not work for you as a note taker and vice versa and that's that's really i think it's important to if you want to get good at this kind of stuff it's important to understand how you learn best yeah exactly and my note taking system or knowledge management system consists of three different parts three different different levels because i'm also the content creator i'm writing a lot and i write not only hanami master episodes but i also write documentation i helped with hanami um hanami official guides but also i just update a lot of documentation in our company um projects and funny thing is that a lot of developer oriented content is written in markdown i mean all the readmes all the documentation and just almost anything you can you can just have in markdown and it was very nice coincidence because I just knew Markdown and writing in Markdown is, 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 is really convenient to me. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time in my editor, um, in my just Visual Studio Code editor. And also the, so I don't want to switch the context. I don't want to be restricted that when I'm working on my notes or my uh, um, Hanami Master episodes, I need to be inside of the Obsidian. Mm -hmm. I don't want the burden the decision making to switching apps. If I'm actually in Visual Studio uh, Code Editor, I can just open the file because it's Markdown, it's locally, and I can just edit it here. But if I'm in Obsidian, I also have the access to it because I symlinked all my episodes, like all my Markdown files from Hanami Mastery Repository, all the documentation files from Hanami official um, guides all the uh, dry rb documentation rom rb documentation and all other documentation in my ascenda uh, work that i i'm um, working on and i can access it in obsidian and i don't need to care about the privacy because it's all local and it's all encrypted and nobody has access to it and this is amazing for me as a developer that i don't have this burden i i just can work with any app that can read markdown Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that's a good point too. I mean, the the portability of the files is is nice to have. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I think PDF got so popular is because it was hyper portable. Um, so having the portability of my source material, um, where I don't have to be constrained to, you know, I wrote this on my work Mac, but I've got a PC at home, and now I can't read it if I'm at home. That's a problem, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's important too, is to kind of understand what it is you're trying to accomplish with your note taking um, tools, because the the use case will help dictate the tools as well. 
because like you said, obsidian is not going to be very good for everything. Um, but it is good for a lot of things. So I'm, I'm wondering too, so we've talked about tools a bit. I'd like to kind of hear some about some of the process of note-taking that you've found helpful. For instance, um, what, like, if you're consuming newsletters, what's your kind of note-taking process for that? Uh, this is uh, my recent discovery I tried before several applications. And uh, as I mentioned before, all I'm, I try to not care about the application I'm using. If I'm reading the article in the browser, I don't want to save it in pocket, open it in pocket, and only then take notes, right? When I take a read book on Kindle, I don't want to um, write down my notes or, or have Obsidian in, in front of me. I just want to highlight whatever I want and make note inside of Kindle because it's possible. And ideally, I would love if just that, uh, without my initiative, it would just ended up in Obsidian, like my highlight. And it would be actually, awesome. it's possible. <laughs> it is possible. And I discovered that last year and I was amazed because there is a Readwise application that connects all the applications that can make highlights and sends aggregates it aggregates those highlights and notes from articles books and everything and sends it to whatever destination you want to have and you can say, send it to notion you can send it to obsidian because there is obsidian plugin for that and you can send it to evernote evernote and, and whatever else you just just want and that was just life-changing because now i just read article in my browser i have google add-on so when i mark the text uh, with my mouse, uh, it just highlights the article and saves the highlight. It sends it to Readwise and Readwise sends this with my annotation if, if existing into Obsidian document. So I have it without any effort in Obsidian, but also I have medium.com integrated. So Medium has their own highlight mechanism built in and it's also compatible with Readwise. So when I read something on medium.com, I just highlight it there. I use Rhymedrop as my bookmarking mechanisms. Um, and surprise, surprise, Rhymedrop is also compatible with Readwise, Readwise. And the same for yet a lot of other things. And recently, they, they even came up with their own reader. So something like raindrop.io, uh, but uh, they made their own tool. This is Readwise Reader. And I switched to that because they have something unbelievable. They, when you save a video, when you save a video in the reader and that come from YouTube, they leverage the fact that YouTube automatically made transcripts for your videos. They list those transcripts below your uh, video you want to watch. And when you watch it, uh, they highlight um, the actual part in the text. And you can make notes and highlights in the text from your video. And this is also synchronized with my Obsidian and uh, all my, my notes just automatically go there. 
Holy crap. And this is just taking notes as you're talking here. <laughs> taking notes on your and note taking. This is, uh, ah, yeah, just I didn't mention Kindle, but Kindle is also integrated. So if you just make highlights in books on Kindle, uh, it also can just go away directly straight into Obsidian or whatever other destination you choose for your favorite knowledge management tool. And this is mind blowing because the, the problem I had before with all this demotivation, even depression that I don't read because I need to make notes. I don't make notes because I don't read and so on. <laughs> this is all removed by just this simple application that aggregates everything. And Readwise is the best uh, that I found in recent years because it allows me to not care about any application that I use. They support newsletters, they support tweet threads and freaking out a lot, a lot of things. Um, so I cannot be excited any, enough with this application. Wow. So yeah, I'm just looking at, I threw some links in the, the chat for you guys. If you're listening, if you want to check this out, but um, so readwise.io, this is the thing you're talking about, right? Yeah. Here, um, this, this looks really cool. Um, I'm going to be checking this out as soon as we're done with the show, <laughs> honestly. So, um, and then Raindrop, I'd never heard of, but I, I like the looks of this. And you said this integrates with that too, and can suck all this stuff directly yeah. into Obsidian. Yeah, but you have, um, go back to the previous tab, if you can. Three At the wise. top, you have a reader. At the mm -hmm. top in the menu, you have a reader. And this is more or less what Raindrop allows you to do, but this uh -huh. is even better. Oh. So now I'm oh, switching oh. from Raindrop to Readwise uh, Reader because it allows you to bookmark anything. It allows you to automatically categorize all the media and uh, supports uh, newsletter threads. Um, yeah, it supports everything. And those YouTube videos that I struggled in the last year, I struggled with making notes from YouTube videos. And I had a Chrome add-on on that but it did not allow me to make efficient notes on my mobile. But now I, I just don't need to care because I have Readwise Reader that all that does all the transcripts for me and allows me to synchronize automatically with Obsidian. And this is the one you said would do the transcripts and the videos and stuff? Yes, yes, yes. So Readwise is kind of your all-in-one highlighter, and then it, it yeah. allows you to put that stuff into Obsidian. Um, actually, yeah, it's, when I have something to read for later, uh, or make notes from YouTube videos, then I will use this part and for newsletters too. Mm -hmm. But if I'm on medium, um, I will just use medium because I have everything synchronized with readwise. I mean, I, I just went through all the, uh, integrations that readwise has and integrated everything. So I don't need to care anything that allows highlighting is on my list because I don't want to care when I don't want, uh, when I don't have uh, readwise uh, Chrome extension, because I'm working on different uh, computer or whatever, I just don't need to care because at the end, my notes will be in Obsidian anyway. So I can process them later and I can use them for my Hanami Mastery episodes or any other content that I will create in the future. Wow. So here's the list of all the stuff that Readwise can port and integrate with. It's a lot. 
So yeah, I will be definitely checking that out. See, chat, aren't you glad you come and listen to these shows? You learn all kinds of useful things. Um, man, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be playing with that quite a bit. Um, nice. I'm glad we got to that part of the conversation. Um, so what else? So Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, just this is this is my process of uh, capturing stuff. So uh, I don't want to care. I don't want to. Uh, use my mental power to decide if I should take note or not take note. I just capture whatever. Mm -hmm. And it at the end, it goes to my obsidian. And when I have time, I or I'm just gradually um, gardening my obsidian um, second brain, like 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 knowledge and knowledge system and process them later. So I have parts of mess in obsidian because i have a lot of highlights that i took and i never really did anything with them uh, but i don't i don't care too much uh, i'm just whenever i have time i feel like this or by accident even i discover my note that i took and i can process it i can use it reuse it tweak it improve and so on and the same for for hanami mastery episodes so if i i write within obsidian my hanami mastery episodes and I just read them. I don't treat them as finished projects. I treat them as my uh, part of my garden. So from time to time, I go through the, my by accident or intentionally, I just visit my older episodes and I tweak them. I add paragraph, I remove it, I link to somewhere else. And um, I don't care um, about anything under the hood because it's just um, going automatically. This is This is really awesome. Um, so, so let's kind of tie this together. We're getting, we're getting close on time here, but I want to, I want to kind of tie this to, because we're a development show, we talk about development things. So why does efficient note-taking, how does that help you be a better developer? I mean, I can write stuff on a piece of paper, but that's probably not the best thing for me as a developer. Developing my note-taking skills should help me, right? So how does that help me? Well, uh, there are several things. So uh, before, because I have this efficient note-taking system, I can, it's not done, it's not perfect. It's, I, I will improve it like crazy in this year as well and the next year too. But it allows me to collect tremendous amount of knowledge that I can easily link together. I can way faster write articles out of it and both external, like public, but also internal. We have in, in, in the company, we have internal demos, internal presentations that I can pull together more efficiently. And I can learn. I can uh, recall ideas um, easier. So if I had if I had a highlight on the article that I read a year ago, Readwise will uh, will recall it to me um, periodically. But also in my Obsidian, I have opportunities to rediscover the knowledge that I got in the past. So all that is very important because it allows me to um, revisit and reprocess ideas that I had or or the the, the tips, the content that I, I, I just uh, consumed in the past. And I can apply them in certain ways to my current project because I have everything in place, in one place, I can link my 
different ideas, different pieces of knowledge from different time periods together and build something unique and and something creative. Mm -hmm. And this is how I am go uh, I am better developer because of that. And um, at the end, because I can I have all my uh, documents and most of the readmes in my note-taking system, um, I can easily um, visit. Even if I'm not in work, I can just apply some improvement to the readme because in, at this point, it's part of my note system. So I can effortlessly improve even unintentionally, I can improve a document in one of the repositories that uh, I'm working on because, um, because it's part of my uh, learning mechanism and my content creation process. So as we, um, as we reduce the mental load of gathering information, we can spend that mental energy more on using that information. Um, yeah, exactly. So efficient note-taking actually can make you a much better developer because then you have the brain power to spend on your development rather than reading all your newsletters all the time um, and trying to learn development. Um, so yeah, this was, this was fantastic. And I've got, I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to go play with new toys after the show here now. Um, so we thank you very, very much for joining us um, all the way from Poland. This was a this was a fun thing. I'm so glad we changed the time so that we can start getting uh, people from from other parts of the world to come talk to us because it's it's really fun and interesting. Um, so we thank you very much for for coming and being with us. Um, I I really enjoy the work that you're doing both with Hanami and with your your own live streaming show. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that that stuff um so we will be back next thursday we've got melissa amaya talking about how to teach um uh, and learn programming for teens and young adults um especially in a homeschooling uh type situation so that ought to be a really interesting show um looking and forward that to that time is just and that is next thursday at 3 p.m eastern standard time um so we have, in, in case you missed it today, uh, on to, in 2023, we have moved the showtime to Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern because we, we found that to be a better time for our friends in Europe to be able to uh, participate as well. And we, we really do want them to. Um, so um, we'll be back then. I'll be back on Tuesday with some more game programming, uh, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Um, Got a lot of things figured out in the... In the meantime, so we ought to be able to make some progress there, finally. Um, and we, um, what else have I got to say? It's been so long since I've done one of these outros, I kind of forget. Anyway, um, yeah, you can like listen to this. Subscribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should some come join us on, uh, well, follow us on Twitter at Ducky Dev Show. You can go to rubberduckdevshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Um, we will not spam you, we promise, because we hate it too, but all of our shows are actually up there. You can also, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Twitch. We stream to both of those. Um, and there's all kinds of ways to get in touch with us. Um, so yeah. And also you can listen to this as a podcast, all the places that podcasts live. 
Um, so we will see you next Thursday. Uh, thank you very much again, Seb, for joining us. And until then, happy programming. Happy programming. Bye, thanks.